0: Hello, 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 Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to the Same Old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker with me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Aaron, our Miami Dolphins did not upset the Seattle Seahawks. Same old Dolphins. Well, listen, I, I get it. I, like, this is, it's really interesting watching the reactions. Typically, we will record on a Sunday night after the game, but with the, the heat taken on, the Lakers in the NBA Finals, we didn't want to record during the game, so we made the decision that we're going to push it a night so that we could record on a Monday. So we're recording it on the Monday, and that has enabled us the opportunity to sort of sit and digest the reaction on on Dolphins' Twitter to what happened on Sunday. And I, I have to say, I, I see a lot of overreacting. And I get the reaction from people, because people are naturally sick and tired of the Miami Dolphins' Starting one and three, oh and four, and having terrible starts to the season as far as their record goes. And and I get that. I, I a one and three is certainly not the place that you want to be. Um and you know, so the inclination is of course to say, oh, these are just the same old dolphins. They can't win close games. It's the Tony Sperano Memorial Field goal competition where they're just kicking field goals out there. Jason Sanders kicking five field goals in a game against the Seahawks where the Dolphins end up losing by eight points. And people are upset about it. And, and so the, the temptation is to say, oh, this is same old dolphins, same old dolphins. And and if I think if you take that sort of micro look at it and look at it just at one result on its face on one Sunday, yeah, you might take a look at that and go, yeah, I guess it is same old dolphins. But when you take a look, when you pull back a little bit and, and Sorry, take a I'm look at the situation, Siri, I'm not talking to you right now. When you take a look at you know sort of the larger picture and the larger trend lines, I think you're very clearly seeing progress being made. And and look, this isn't me making excuses. I'm just not ready to like burn this whole thing down or 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 be calling for Flores's head or to be calling for a QB change and we're certainly going to be talking about that a little bit in this episode. But I, I, I just think people are getting emotional and reacting in the short term. And I, and I've said this many times before is that the NFL in particular is the king of small sample size overreactions. And you have people losing their minds over the fact that the Dolphins are one in three. And perhaps, you know, they're, they're disappointed by that. And I get that. I get being disappointed by a 1-3 and three start, particularly, I, I, I understand the frustration to, in losing this game to the Seahawks because it was a game that was right there to be won. It was a game that was right there for the Miami Dolphins to take and win, but they ended up falling short, and they fell short in the way that so many Dolphins teams have fallen short in the past. A failure to finish drives is nothing new for Miami Dolphin fans. But I really think uh, it just the place where I am with this team. And, and it's, I guess, ironic, really, because I'm one of the co-hosts of the same old dolphin show, but I simply do not feel like these are the same old dolphins right now. Yes, maybe the results on the field are looking that way. But when you continue to look at the trends again, take a look at where this team is after four games this year. They, they, they were within eight points and maybe, you know, the game was sort of out of reach late but for three and a half quarters they were right there with one of the the favorites to reach the super Bowl a four and o team they're they're one and three right now and and the teams that they've played so far this season have a combined three losses you know i i just think i think people are 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 flying off the handle they're a little bit emotional and they kind of just need to Pump the brakes a little bit on some of these reactions. I understand it's disappointing to lose and, and the results are at the end of the day, you are what your record is, right? That's, that's the famous, uh, what is it? The Bill Parcells saying, you are what your record is, but these dolphins, the, the trend line is still moving in the right direction. Yeah. Maybe there were some questionable coaching decisions. There was some questionable play calling. Okay. Fine. But all of that is to be expected when you've got a team that is learning and growing, one of the youngest teams in the NFL. And like I said before, I don't feel like this is the same old Dolphins. I feel like this is a team that is moving in a positive direction, despite the fact that they lost this game to the Seahawks. So we're gonna get into it, Brain. We're gonna get into the good, we're gonna get into the bad, we're gonna get into the ugly the way that we always do on this show. But first a reminder to everybody, if you're not doing so already, make sure to follow us on Twitter. I am at Amplified to Rock. He is at Aaron the Brain. That's at A A Brain. at Same Old Dolphins is the show. You can go to Facebook.com slash Same Old Dolphins and give us a like over there. You can download, rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Find us on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and everywhere that you get your podcasts. And of course, every episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show is available at DolphinsTalk.com, your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. So make sure you are visiting DolphinsTalk.com each and every day. Brain, what are your sort of instant reactions without getting into the nitty gritty? What are your sort of instant reactions to this loss to the seahawks this uh thirty one to twenty three home defeat
1: yeah in a in a lot of ways i I kind of have a similar viewpoint to what you just so eloquently the way you so eloquently just put it in that they're there's so much to come out of this game and really out of the first four weeks and just be really pleased with. Uh, but at the same time, you can't ignore that you had opportunities to win the three games that the Dolphins lost. And at the end of the day, they are one and three. The three games that the Dolphins lost, they had opportunities to win, particularly the game against Buffalo, and even more so, this game against Seattle. And it came down to finishing drives, finishing halves, finishing the game. And they failed to do it. And in a lot of ways, that is very same old Dolphins. So, look, I I get it. We're a lot better than we were last year. But last year should not be the barometer to which we measure this year's Dolphins team. Yes, yes, we want to see a marked improvement, and I believe we're seeing that. And be, and for that, I'm not one of these people that is overreaction uh, that is overreacting and saying that you need to blow the thing up and that Brian Flores isn't doing a good job. I'm not there at this point. However, I'm also not going to simply just ignore. That we, we are one in three and we're one in three because we're losing games that we have opportunities to win. This was not a game where we were severely overmatched. We were at home and for three and a half quarters we basically were playing toe for toe and you could make the argument that we actually were outplaying Seattle and I'm not saying that we're a better team than Seattle I think there were a lot of circumstances that go into it the fact that we're at home the whole West Coast to East Coast thing the fact that uh, Russell I mean not that Russell Wilson but that the entire Seahawks team uh, basically instead of uh, aside from Russell Wilson was dealing with injuries I think those things all play a part but ultimately This was not a game where the Dolphins were overmatched, and this was a game probably more so than the other two losses where... The Dolphins had legitimate opportunities to win and should really kind of feel disappointed that they didn't take care of business. Those other two losses against New England and Buffalo, there were distinct times in that game where you felt this team is severely overmatched. Never once in this game, aside from maybe very early on when when Seattle drove down and scored on the opening possession and then we went three and out. Aside from that, very early start to this game i didn't feel like there was a time where i thought the dolphins are really overmatched in this game and because of that look you've got to look at it and say and call it for what it is and that is this was a very winnable game that they just didn't manage to win and there's nothing more same old dolphins than losing a game that you could have won yeah, I, I completely agree
0: with that. But, you know, like I said, there's, there's the sort of looking at things on the micro level and there's looking at things at the macro level. And at this point in this team's process, if you're not sort of taking the wider view of things, I, I, and I mean, I, do, I just don't know what to tell you because right now, this team is not meant to be competing right now. Yes, there's an outside shot that they could, you know, if things if, if things broke just the right way that this is a playoff team. But I mean, we said it when we sat when we sat down at the beginning of the season. We looked at our way through the schedule. We said we knew this was going to be really tough. This was going to be a really tough start to the season. Those first yep. five games looked really, really difficult.
1: Yep. And, and, and that's where I'm, and that's where I'm at is that I'm qualifying everything that we're seeing right now and, and looking at, I'm qualifying it by saying, well, look at who we've played. Like who, look at who we've lost to and the way that we've, we've looked in those games. And let's understand that we've been in three football games against three teams. That look like surefire playoff teams. And you might even have one of those teams. I mean, for all we know, we, we, we could have already played the two Super Bowl, uh, uh, teams from each conference. We, we could have already played the conference winners from both the AFC and the NFC. That's how tough our schedule has been. And the one time that we played a team that we're supposed to beat, we go on the road. And we absolutely dominate. On a short week. Yeah, and, and whatever. That's a short week for for Jacksonville as well. But let, let's qualify what's going on here by by having some context to it, which is the Dolphins have played three really good teams and lost three relatively close games where they had opportunities in the second half and in the fourth quarter of those games to potentially win games. And then they played one team that they should beat and they dominated them. So let's let this thing play out a little bit. Like I said, when we fell to 0 2 against Buffalo, I said, look, obviously I would like for us to be winning. I would like for the defense to look a little bit better. Uh, but I'm not going to overreact to, to losing two games to New England and Buffalo. My panic level was at a four. I said, Let's see what happens against Jacksonville. If we lose to Jacksonville, then uh, then all of a sudden I'll panic. And they, the team responded and they won convincingly, going away. And the, and the game was never in doubt. Now they play Seattle, arguably the best team that they've played so far, probably the best team that they've played so far and they played probably their best game of the season they were closer to winning this game than than either of the buffalo or new england games you can't look at that and say that this is regression that's that's progress it maybe it's not the progress that you want to see at this point and it's not it, they're not at the point where you want them to be, and that's kind of that's that's where the frustration is because you you see that they're getting better, but they're still not where they want to be. And you're just like, well, well, when are they gonna get there? Well, wanna relax. I'm not saying they're going to get there, but nobody should ex should expect them to be there at this point against that caliber team. Let's let this season play out a little bit. I believe, if you listen to the, the season preview, yes. Did I go out on a limb in week one and say we were going to beat the Patriots? Yeah, I did. And I was dead wrong. But I think, you know, even in my heart of hearts, I knew that that was, that was unlikely. That was me going out on a limb. I think most people, when they looked at this schedule to start the season and saw New England, Buffalo, Jacksonville, Seattle, then San Francisco... I think most people looked at this schedule and they said, we got to win that Jacksonville game because we're probably losing those other four. So it's not like this team is is falling below expectations right now. And I think most people would probably have thought, that we would look outclassed in some of these games. And I don't believe that we've been outclassed in any game. You can make the argument that the opener against the Patriots, we were a bit outclassed. But in every other game, we had opportunities. Uh, in the Buffalo game, we were leading in the fourth quarter. In this game, we had a chance to take the lead in the fourth quarter, and we were toe-to-toe with with Seattle in the fourth quarter before things went awry. So I'm happy with the progress uh, they're not where we want them to be. And I think you at, at the same time, you have to say, like, look, we're not in a position to be happy with moral victories at this point. When we won five of the last nine games last year and we went out and we got all these draft picks and we spent all this money, moral victories are not going to cut it anymore. This is not a team that's tanking. So. And I'm sure Brian Flores doesn't want to hear about moral victories. I'm sure the locker room doesn't want to hear about moral victories. So you shouldn't be happy with one and three. But it's also not time to overreact. I I agree
0: completely. So let's get into this. Let's talk about the good and the bad and the ugly from this game. Uh, we'll save the good for the end because there's plenty of bad to talk about. And there's plenty of ugly to talk about. So let's start with the bad. And... I feel like we're going to get to this anyway, so maybe we'll just start off with it because it seems to be the hot topic, particularly on Dolphins Twitter. And and I think it's probably safe to say that anytime the Dolphins lose a game and half the time when they win a game, you're going to hear the cries for, it's Tua time. It's time to play Tua. Put him in. Put him in. And there were a lot of people who were putting this game squarely on the shoulders of Ryan Fitzpatrick. that A lot of blame going squarely on Ryan Fitzpatrick's shoulders. And I think it's fair to say that he had a pretty bad game. I don't know that I agree with the idea that this game is 100% or 90% or, you know, on, on Ryan Fitzpatrick's shoulders because there was a lot of blame to go around here. But... I think one of the, one of the bad things, and if you're going to talk about bad performance in this, performances in this game, I think you kind of have to start with this performance from Ryan Fitzpatrick. He missed some guys today. He was trying to squeeze the ball into some tight spots. He was not really checking down very much. He was kind of staring down some receivers. He threw a couple of picks. The the second one was a little bit more um egregious than the first one where his arm got hit as he was throwing the ball. But at the end of the day, not a particularly good performance from Ryan Fitzpatrick, Bryn.
1: It wasn't his best. It was not a good game. Um, but again, it wasn't it wasn't a terrible game either. Uh he, the offense moved the ball. Ryan Fitzpatrick made plays with his arms. He made plays with his legs. In a lot of ways, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, was, was one of the reasons why the Dolphins were in this game. Um, but then at the end of the day, and Ryan Fitzpatrick will be the first to tell you, he, in an interview, uh, in a post game interview yesterday after the game, he said, look, uh, quarterbacks in this league are going to be judged by how they perform in the red zone and to get into the red zone and not be able to score touchdowns and have to settle for field goals. That's just not good enough. And Ryan Fitzpatrick said himself, he didn't play well enough to win the game and he shoulders the blame for it. He takes responsibility for it because he believes that Many of the the other players on the field played well enough to win this game and he just didn't. So I'm not going to sugarcoat it. He did not play a great game. But again, I I think you need to look at contextually the way that this offense moved the football and a lot of the big plays and maybe not big plays, but a lot of the positive plays and 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 big uh situations where Ryan Fitzpatrick did move the sticks and come up with big completions and was right on the money on a lot of these throws. you can't just overlook that and just focus on two three, four bad decisions ultimately, yes, that's the difference between. Uh, a good quarterback and a great quarterback, but Ryan Fitzpatrick's not a great quarterback. And that should never, be, like that, that's not something that we need to confuse. Like we shouldn't be confusing Ryan Fitzpatrick for Aaron Rodgers or for even Russell Wilson or, or, you know, or Dan Marino. Like Ryan Fitzpatrick is Ryan Fitzpatrick. But the thing is, he's playing by and large. Well enough to win most, most weeks. Uh, week one, I didn't think was a very good game. Obviously, there were too many mistakes. This game, there were some play, there were some throws that I'm sure he would like back. Uh, but ultimately, I, I can't sit here and say that Ryan Fitzpatrick is the reason why we settled for for all those field goals. And I can't say that Ryan Fitzpatrick is the reason why we lost the game. I just think Ryan Fitzpatrick had a very Ryan Fitzpatrick game, which was a lot of positive and a little bit of negative. Nothing that blew you away. And that's who Ryan Fitzpatrick is.
0: That's It's exactly who Ryan Fitzpatrick is. He's the guy that he can occasionally really light it up. And he's a guy who can occasionally... Really make you
1: want to throw up. And that's, uh, that's, that's Ryan. <laughs> well, Fitzgerald. he didn't make me want to throw up in this game. I, maybe, maybe Tom and Mike were, you know, were feeling sick to their stomach afterwards, but I, this, this game did not make me want to throw up. Well, that's
0: good. I, I'm glad that it didn't make you physically ill. That's certainly a good thing. Um, let's talk about some of these other areas that are bad in this game. Um, without getting into the things that were ugly, I, I have a thing that, I mean, I've got a couple ideas for both of these, but let, let's have you go to another thing that you thought was a bad
1: from this game, Brain. Look, uh, for the second time in three weeks, Noah Igbenogany, uh really struggled. Really, really struggled. Giving up, not just not just giving up, you know, catches, but big, big plays. The play at the end of the first half was just inexcusable. Uh, to allow that guy, uh, to allow David Moore to get behind him in that situation was just, just inexcusable. And it looked like he kind of got caught looking at the pocket, seeing Russell Wilson begin to scramble. And he, you know, he diverted his, his attention. And when you do that, you get burnt. But the fact is, is that that was not his job. His job on that play was to be keep was to play a deep third of the field and keep his man in front of him and not allow a big play and to you know if Russell Wilson decides to scramble then that's somebody else's responsibility and he can recover afterwards once you know that Russell Wilson has tucked it and run and is past the be the, in is beyond the line of scrimmage but that was just that was a poor. Poor play. And then the, the, the touchdown that he gave up, uh, when the game was 17 to 15. Yes, there was confusion on that play from the Dolphins defense. They were running guys onto the field, but still you're in man coverage. There's no safety help over the top. And he lets David Moore just run right by him and he's just roasted and, and he tried to recover. But look. If you, if you allow yourself to get beat by a receiver like that and Russell Wilson is the quarterback, you're done. It's not going to work out well for you. And he, you hope that he learned, you know, and, and like that's the thing to remember with Noah Igbenagani is that he's the youngest player in the National Football League. He's a rookie, a 21 year old rookie that is being thrust into a role that he was not supposed to be in to start the season because he's in that role as a, as a starting perimeter corner because Byron Jones is dealing with a groin injury and he's had to go up first against Stefan Diggs a couple weeks ago. And then in this game against Tyler Lockett. And look, I, I'm not going to sit here and put David Moore in the Tyler Lockett discussion because overall, Noah Benogany did some decent things against Tyler Lockett and it was David Moore. That was the guy that really roasted him. And, but the two big plays that he gave up to David Moore, those were mental mistakes. And that's where, uh, I, I kind of say, all right, those are things that he, he'll get better at. He'll learn. It's not like he was physically outmatched by David Moore. He just simply kind of, you know, he, he fell asleep at the wheel or he took the cheese or whatever, whatever you want to say, they were mental mistakes. They weren't physical mistakes. This is a guy that has all the physical tools and everybody that has ever come into contact with him will tell you that he is, uh, an extremely hard worker, a diligent studier and student of the game. I have no doubt that he's going to figure those things out. But again, you have to call it for what it is. And two of the last three weeks, Noah Igbenogany has been really bad.
0: He's certainly been thrust into action, as you mentioned. He's, he's in a place where he didn't feel like, well, he certainly wasn't ready for this, right? And he was sort of thrust in when Byron Jones went down with that injury in week two. And so I think he's been doing largely an admirable job. Of course, he's gotten burnt a couple of times, but I think it's like what you said, he's a young guy and he's got a lot of learning to do. And based on what we know about who he is as a person and what he is as a player, um, it feels like he is going to end up ultimately being better for these experiences. And again, it's the idea of, this is the time for him to be having these experiences. You'd rather have Igbenogany out there making these mistakes now when it's the learning process. We're still rebuilding. We're still putting the pieces together. We're not competing for a championship this year. And that's an okay thing.
1: Of course, Are you yes. Are saying... What? Are you saying that the, that the dolphins need to be failing forward fast?
0: Well, I don't know that they need to fail forward necessarily fast, although some people want them to fail forward faster than others, but it is it is what it is. And I think that this what we've seen from Noah Igbenogany, while it hasn't been great and well like you said it's it's in the bad category that is something that he is going to grow from uh and on, in the future I think he's going to be a better player down the line because of these experiences that he's going to have now because he's going to be able to go back and look at this tape and realize what he did wrong and make those adjustments in the future. It's, I mean, it's in a lot of ways. It's a really great thing that, that he's out there up against these guys, against guys like Tyler Lockett in, in. 2020, because in 2021 and 2022, this is going to be a guy who's going to have a lot more responsibility because listen, Byron Jones is getting closer to coming back. And when he's able to come back, we're going to have some of that responsibility taken off of Igbenogany's shoulders for a little while. And I think he's going to be happy about that. Um, let's see. Let's move to the ugly. Unless you've got anything else that you'd like to include in the bad category Uh, and not the ugly category.
1: I'll, I'll throw this one in. I'm not. I'm not terribly concerned about it, but this was, I think, for the second time in four weeks. Devon Godshaw really kind of, you know, showed his limitations against... Uh, a good interior offensive lineman. I forget who he was going up against, or it might have been several guys on the interior of New England's offensive line, but he was really pushed around in that game. But in this game, really, whenever Seattle wanted to run right up the gut on Miami and Godshaw was in the game, uh, it was Mikey Upati just really having his way with with Devon Godshaw. And I think this is something that needs to that we need to kind of keep an eye on. I really like Devon Godshaw. I think he's one of the staple Miami Dolphin guys that has been here. Uh, You know, he he's one of the few holdover guys from the Adam Gase era that I think really kind of fits what this team wants to be a tough disciplined hard-working uh kind of guy and a, a disciplined hard-working team and I, I think in a lot of ways he fits what this team wants to be but I think there are just physical limitations there and this is a guy that look the Dolphins are going to need to be making a decision on pretty soon as far as whether whether they're going to give him a contract extension and, and and I've been really under the uh opinion of this is absolutely a guy that you want to give an extension to, Uh but when you see him struggling against the really good interior offensive linemen in this league and really being pushed around and not really making his presence felt, he's not really a pass rush guy, and if he's getting pushed around in the running game, then is he really a difference maker? And do you want to be paying big money to a guy that isn't a difference maker? I think this is something that we have to keep an eye on because this is a guy that, well, I'm not going to d- discount his ability. I think he's a good player. But is this a guy that is going to be worthy of if a big contract extension, maybe, maybe you get him a contract extension that is a, you know, a reasonably priced concept contract extension. But if this is a guy that hits the free agent market and, and somebody's willing to pay him eight, nine, $10 million a year, do we think that, that he's worth eight, nine, $10 million a year if he's not really a difference maker? Because at this point, I would say, he's looking more like a serviceable starter to a rotational piece for uh what would for what you would want to build as an elite defensive line than as a guy that I would want to break the bank on.
0: Yeah, I think the defensive line as a whole I think was problematic in this game for the you Dolphins.
1: You think so? I I I actually thought <laughs> Look, I, I thought Emmanuel Ogba had a phenomenal he game. Did, yeah, he did well, but I mean,
0: large, and there was some improvement in the second half, but I thought for a lot of this game, they were really struggling to get any kind of pressure on, on, uh, uh not Cam Newton, Russell Wilson. They, they were having a hard time getting pressure on him. They did reasonably well against the run at the end of the day, um, only giving up 98 yards on 26 carries. I thought they
1: struggled. I thought the interior of the defensive line struggled. I thought Ogba played really well and I, I thought played really well all game. Um, Shaq Lawson, I thought played well in spurts. Uh, you know, obviously had a really big sack at a really important time of the game. Um, I thought we created some pressure with blitzes. We don't have an elite. You know, pass rusher. That's just not something that we have. And so that's going to be an issue all season long. But I thought for who these guys are, uh, I thought by and large, they, they did fine. I just thought the interior guys. So your Devon Godshaw and your, your Raquan Davis's of the world. Uh, I thought they had a short... I thought Zach Sealer on, when he got in the game, I thought he looked really active and he beat his guy a couple of times and had a couple of good pressures. So I actually thought that the ends in this game played really well. I thought the problem was on the interior. But again, you, you also look. You, it's, it, there's two sides of this. Like, they're not going up against scrubs here. Mike Upati is arguably a Hall of Fame guard. So, uh, look, sometimes you gotta tip your cap, but at the other, uh, but, but still, uh, when you're talking about a defensive tackle that you're considering giving a big contract extension to, at some point, he's gotta prove that he can be you know, even if not a difference maker, at least a you know a formidable foe against even the most elite uh offensive lineman that he's going up against and from what I've seen from Devon Godshaw is I think he's a guy that plays really well against the against the average offensive lineman of this league. but when he goes up against the really good interior offensive lineman. He just doesn't stand a chance. And that, that's, where, that's why I put it in the bad category. So let's go to the ugly category.
0: What is your first ugly item from this game? I am
1: done with Jordan Howard. I don't want... Look, I, I tweeted out at a certain point that... First off, I thought Chan Gailey called a great game for, for almost the entirety of the game... And then we're in the fourth quarter in the biggest spot of the game, in the biggest drive of the game, and of all the times, this is where he puts Jordan Howard on the field. And I was I was dumbfounded. I said, I don't understand this one bit. Miles Gaskin's playing well. Matt Breida's playing well. You've got a first and ten, and you're and you've got Jordan Howard on the field. I don't want to see Jordan Howard on the field unless we need one yard. And honestly, even if we need one yard, I feel more confident in Gaskin or Breida getting that yard. I would rather see Patrick Laird at this point. Jordan Howard is not getting the job done, and it's not like. You know, you can't just say, well, they're not blocking for him because Jordan Howard, is he getting a bunch of opportunities? No, but. Miles Gaskin makes the most of his opportunities. Matt it hasn't been outstanding running the football, but he's made the most of his opportunities. But every single time that Jordan Howard has the ball, it's negative one yard, it's one yard, it's two yards, it's three yards. I think he had a four-yard gain, and I said, hey, that was the best run Jordan Howard's had all season. I am done with Jordan. And then, on the same drive, he fumbles the ball. And, and, and then he, he immediately, thankfully the Dolphins recovered it and immediately Miles Gaskin goes back in. And I said, well, look, if you're going to bring Miles Gaskin back in because Jordan Howard fumbled the ball, then he didn't need to come out in the first place because Miles Gaskin is better than Jordan Howard. He's noticeably, distinctly better than Jordan Howard. I'm done with Jordan Howard. He's the new Kalen Garbage. Oh. Oh, we got a
0: new k We got, what is the name? What is, how do you incorporate g- garbage into Jordan Howard?
1: What's his Jordan, name? Jo- Jordan One Yard. Oh. It's it's a little bit of a stretch. Wolf. <laughs> yeah, oh that was boy. bad.
0: That was, uh. well, we'll give you some time to think on that one. I think you might need to apologize to the people for that.
1: Well, um, it's, I'm sorry, it's no fin chewed. It certainly is not
0: fin chewed. It certainly is not. Um, so for my ugly, I've got a couple first and, and perhaps most obviously is five field goals instead of touchdowns. The Dolphins in this game brought field goals to a touchdown fight and against a team like the Seahawks, even though you managed to hang in it, hang in there, by kicking field goals. Ultimately, you don't win games with field goals. It's the lesson of the Tony Sperano era. And I think, you know, some of these were, like, listen, you know, some of it is on Fitzpatrick's shoulders. Some of it is on Brian Flores' shoulders. Although, I mean, listen, when you got third and three at the Seahawks nine and then you lose two yards and it's fourth and five, but it's late in the game, I don't know. I know, yes, kicking the field goal makes it so that another field goal could get, potentially put you over the hump, but I, I kind of would have liked to have seen a, a bit more aggression in trying to get this and trying to convert and get that first down and get into the end zone. It was just too many drives that they failed to finish. And it was definitely like it, it really felt like the Tony Sperano era for a long time in this game, which was pretty frustrating. And then. The other ugly thing is when the Dolphins did a very good job winding down clock towards the end of the first half and you give the Seahawks the ball with 24 seconds left, your only job as a defense is to make sure... Your job is to make sure they don't even get three, let alone get a touchdown. But to give up a 75-yard touchdown drive in 21 seconds... At when there's 24 seconds left to go in the half, pretty, pretty ugly. So it was not, it was not very good. Let's say that. Anything else you want to add into the ugly category here, brain? Mm, no. Great. Well, then. I guess that it's time for us to start talking about the good category, and if we're gonna talk about the good category, the first place you gotta start is Manscaped, because Manscaped is good. Let me tell you, Brain, I am wearing, as we record right now, I am wearing my Manscaped boxer shorts. They sent, they sent me some boxer shorts in the box full of gimmicks that they sent to me. And let me tell you, I'm not typically one of those guys who, you know, pays a lot of attention to, you know, how comfortable the underpants are, but these boxer shorts are really great. And like, I'm very comfortable. My boy's got plenty of room in there. It's a very nice material. It's soft. So it's not like it's not bunching up. It it feels good under my pants. Uh I got to tell you these Manscape boxers
1: really good. Did you get a pair of Manscape boxers? I did and I concur they are very comfortable. Um I'm actually wearing my Manscape t-shirt. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Company a couple of company men right here. That's us.
0: And let me tell you they they've got a saying over there at Manscaped, and the, and the saying is your balls will thank you. And whether it's because you trimmed them with the clippers, whether you used the lawnmower 3.0, the Plow 2.0, whether you took care of yourself with the ball toner and the ball deodorant, the fact of the matter is your balls are going to thank you. And not only are your balls going to thank you, whoever else is spending time with your balls is going to thank you. So go over to Manscape.com right now, Take your pick of all the fantastic products that they have. Whether it's grooming prod- products, whether it's other hygiene products, colognes, uh, the crop mop—they got all kinds of things over there at Manscaped.com. They got mints, so you can you know freshen up your breath. They got all kind—I mean, not that you know a lot of us. You listen—you you—you can't. Not everybody has somebody. That is going to be on top of them smelling their breath right now in the middle of this pandemic. But you know, maybe you're, maybe you're married. Maybe you do have, maybe you're potting up with somebody who you got getting a little intimate with. And the mints, they're going to help you out a little bit over there. So you want to head over to manscape.com, grab some products, take care of yourself, treat yourself right. Your balls will thank you. And when it's time to check out, use the promo code Dolphins talk. That's Dolphins Talk, all one word, D-O-L-P-H-I-N-S-T-A-L-K, and you're going to save 20% off the price. And listen, if you're going to buy yourself some hygiene products, some men's hygiene products to take care of your stuff, you might as well save 20%. And you might as well save 20% using the promo code Dolphins Talk at Manscaped.com today. Now, as far as good things from this football game, brain, there were a few. I mean, there's there's a few. First and foremost, you got to talk about Jason Sanders. Listen, the man kicked five field goals, and they were on the money. Where would you put Jason Sanders in the sort of echelon of Miami Dolphins place kickers? Would you put him up there with Pete Stoyanovich?
1: Right now, I think he's in that Olindo Mare range. Okay, uh, you know, I think we're we're a little bit early on in his career. This is his third year, but he certainly look uh, when you think of about great Dolphins kickers, you think about Stojanovic and you think about Olindo Mare, and then after those guys, I think Jason Sanders is right there on the list. And at this point, Jason Sanders has been more accurate than those guys, and he's been he's been really outstanding uh especially this season and and it's not just the field goals but the kickoffs through the end zone and then he had a coffin corner kickoff in this game that was placed perfectly uh that that forced Seattle to start a drive at their own 11 yard line so I mean Jason Sanders has been on the money uh, so right now, when it's all said and done, Jason Sanders might end up being the cream of the crop. He might be the top Dolphins kicker. He might be in a league of all of his own. Uh But that said, you know, Stojanovic and Mare, they, they did it for a longer time down here. So I want to see a, a little bit more from Jason Sanders. But I'm loving what I'm seeing thus far. And you feel supremely confident at this point whenever Jason Sanders goes out to kick a field goal.
0: You really do. I mean, listen, he's not kicking in the sort of high-stakes situations that Stojanovic and Mare were. But, listen, he's getting the job done. So that's that's good number one. Good number two, I'm going Matt Breida. I thought Matt Breida was showing some sparks in this game. You know, there were there were a couple of moments where he was making – he made a couple of catches he had what well, he had three receptions for 39 yards including a 26-yarder uh he had three carries for 9 yards but he he was showing some spark there and there was some excitement and it's really clear now that he and Miles Gaskin are a cut above the other running backs now i mean we we haven't seen hardly i don't think we've seen Patrick Laird at all this season um and they're obviously clearly above Jordan Howard. So I'm, uh, I'm pretty happy with Matt Breida there. And I would like to see him start to get a bit more involved here. And, you know, actually it makes me wonder once Tua does get in, maybe we'll see if, you know, things get mixed up a little bit more. But, uh, Matt Breida also on the good list. Who else is on the good list from this game for you, brain?
1: Devontae Parker. I mean, can we talk about Uncle Vontae? Dude. The not, it's not just 10, 10, catches for 110 yards, although he did have a very big drop on a, on a key third down. Um, but the dude is doing it playing obviously hurt. The guy comes out of the game with an injury, injures his ankle, gets retaped and goes out there and still produces at a high level, an elite level. This guy is over the last 16 games. Dating back to last season, he is the leading receiver in the National Football League. He is playing the position at an elite level and he's doing it through injury, which has been the the biggest crit- criticism of him throughout his entire career. This guy is he said going into last year that he wanted to rewrite the history book of his career starting with last season. And the guy is following through. He's doing just that. He has been phenomenal. And it, I, I'm done with anybody that wants to criticize Devonte Parker by saying that he's soft. Because the, what the guy is doing this year, playing through an injury, playing through a hamstring, playing through an ankle, and still being the best player out there on the field... It's elite. The guy is straight-up elite.
0: He is balling, and it's really great. It's, it's really post-Adam Gase, Devontae Parker is a completely different player, and it is a very, very positive development for this Miami Dolphins team. Now, obviously, you, you wish some of these other receivers would get on that level, And, you know, obviously wide receiver is one of those areas where this team definitely needs an upgrade in some part. Not not saying Devontae Parker. He's certainly part of it. Uh, But imagine if he wasn't the only weapon. Preston Williams has sort of fallen off a cliff this season. He's been invisible. And uh, Jakeem Grant. Well, we've seen that, you know, he's really only involved in sort of running plays and that kind of thing. We're not really seeing him get down the field
1: as the burner kind of guy that he is. So, well, I mean, let's, let's talk a little bit about that because, you know, we, we kind of glossed over the whole like quarterback thing and we talked like we were going to, we were going to get into it, but part of the reason why you look, and I'm not a big Jakeem Grant guy. Uh, I'm not necessarily sold on him, but if Jakeem Grant's big skill is getting down the field, Ryan Fitzpatrick is not throwing the ball down the field. And that's one area that we've got to look. When you're talking about, you know, is it Tua time? Is it too early? It's not time for Tua. You know, that that's one thing that you got to look at. Well, maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick is doing the things that Ryan Fitzpatrick does well. But maybe this offense, what this offense is missing, is throws down the field. And maybe that's what they drafted a quarterback number five overall to do.
0: So, are you suggesting
1: that it is Tua time? I'm not there yet, but I'm closer to saying it's Tua time than I anticipated being. And I'll tell you, the biggest reason is another one that we could put in the good category for this game, and that is the play of the offensive line. The biggest concern that I had in throwing Tua out there too early was... That we'd be feeding him to the wolves behind a, a shoddy offensive line. But at this point, this offensive line is protecting the passer better than the majority of teams in the National Football League. And if that's the case, then... I don't have as many worries at this point about uh, you know Tua Tagovailoa going in there and being able to figure this thing out on the job. Uh that that's not to say that I think it's time for Tua because I still believe that this is Ryan Fitzpatrick's locker room and I still believe that Ryan Fitzpatrick uh you know by and large has played pretty well and I think that he he should still be the starter but at a certain point you got to look at it and say well what are the things that Ryan Fitzpatrick is doing that Tua Tungovaloloa can't do you know these these slant routes that's what Tua was you know eating up the defenses in college by doing he was, that's what he was known for. He, his pinpoint accuracy on these, these short to intermediate slant routes. So if Ryan Fitzpatrick is doing that so well, I mean, Tua could do that and he might even be able to do it better. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is making a lot of plays with his legs. And Tua made a lot of plays with his legs in college. I know he's got the, the hip thing, but he was cleared to play. He shows no signs of being injured. Uh, Tua is probably, you know, a better athlete than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Tua can probably do more things with his legs than Ryan Fitzpatrick. But then Tua can make some things happen down the field. The one caveat here is that I do think, look, obviously Ryan Fitzpatrick brings a wealth of experience and knowledge to the quarterback position and leadership to the quarterback position that I think Tua is still learning at this point. And at this point in the season, where three of the first four games have been against really, really good teams and Ryan Fitzpatrick has played fairly well, I don't think that Ryan Fitzpatrick is the reason that we are one and three. I don't think that Ryan Fitzpatrick has done enough to lose the starting job, but I think he's a bad game away. From us really, really looking at it and Brian Flores really having to consider it. We don't know what's going on in the classroom. We don't know what's going on in the practice field, but based on what we saw from Tua in college, which was enough for us to both be in love with him and be, you know, incredibly excited when the Dolphins had the opportunity to take him at number five in this this year's draft and then just get overjoyed when the Dolphins quote unquote, didn't screw it up. I, I think we're close there. Uh, and I, I'm, I've been of the opinion that I don't think that Tua needs to see the field all year because I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is fine and can get this team where it needs to be. But again, if the offensive line is protecting and Ryan Fitzpatrick is just playing just kind of okay. Okay. Then at a certain point, if, if Tua's ready, uh, th- this isn't a bad situation to throw him in.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm, listen, this is the one thing I want to make perfectly clear to everybody is that I am not opposed to Tua getting playing time. That's not, you know, that's not the argument that I'm making. I'm not saying don't play him. He shouldn't play. I'm just not making the argument that he necessarily needs to be in there right now when the time is right the time is right and i don't i don't think traveling across the country to san francisco is the time to do it uh i think there is there are other more opportune times to bring him in and and to fully expose him and i just don't know that now is that moment and i think it's beneficial to keep letting him you know sort of hold on until there is a better opportunity for him to 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 make the most of the experience. And I think putting him in early is an opportunity to, you know, listen, There, there is more downside to bringing him in early
1: than there is to waiting. Because... Well, what about... Go ahead. Yeah, what about, uh, look, Joe Burrow is playing really well. Justin Herbert is playing really well. And both you and I were of the opinion that we we like Tua better I mean we certainly like Tua better than than Herbert I like Tua better than Joe Burrow I thought the only thing that I liked better about Joe Burrow was you didn't have the injury concern, but I thought as far as upside and what the players actually looked like when healthy in college, I thought Tua was the best quarterback to come out in this draft. So watching Joe Burrow do what he's doing, watching Justin Herbert do what he's doing, the only real concern for, for me, for the, for me, for the Dolphins throwing Tua in was really, can they protect him? And is this a good situation to put him in? But what I'm seeing is this Dolphins offensive line playing at an above average level, surprisingly, in pass protection. It kind of makes me, it kind of puts me in that spot where I'm like, hey, I I think Tua will do fine here. Um, I just think, we, you know, I still think it's Ryan Fitzpatrick's team, but I think it's gotten a lot closer, a lot quicker than I expected it to be.
0: Yeah. And I, listen, if, if Ryan Fitzpatrick goes out and lays an absolute egg against San Francisco, that like goes out and just has a, t- a putrid, terrible game. Okay. You know, if, if there's a situation where Ryan Fitzpatrick plays so poorly that it's clear that it is Because of Ryan Fitzpatrick, that the Dolphins have lost this game. Okay, fine. But, you know, until that time, I I just, I still think there's a little bit more rope before you need to bring into it. I just, I I agree. I'm not ready for it quite yet. But it's, it's, the time is coming. The kid's going to play. And then we're going to see. And then I'm sure that there are people out there who, as soon as Tua comes out and has uh, one disappointing performance, these are going to be the people who tell us that we should have drafted Justin Herbert.
1: Yeah, 100%. And they're the same people that are calling for for Tua to play right now.
0: Yes, because that's that's how this works. Right, that's what we've learned from from Dolphins Twitter. These people are all over the place. All right, uh, anything else that you want to put in the good category, or are we going to tie a bow on this one,
1: Bryn? I think we can tie a bow on it. I, well, I'll, be, I'll, I'll say this. This guy's been a good since week one, and this was my surprise player of the season going into the season, but he has already surpassed all of my expectations. Miles Gaskin is a stud. I love this guy. This guy, his balance, his ability to finish runs and always pick up an extra yard or two at the end of the, of the carry. Uh, I am beyond impressed with Miles Gaskin. As, as done as I am with Jordan Howard, that's how excited I am for Miles Gaskin. Give me 25 touches a game for this guy. Which is
0: part of the reason that you're so upset about jordan howard getting so much playing time because it's eating into miles gaskin time
1: yes yes because it's not like it's not like jordan howard is coming in for kaylin garbage he's coming in for miles gaskin who is an absolute beast
0: well there it is so
1: the dolphins fall to seattle
0: it wasn't pretty but it wasn't that ugly they were in it now they're going to go out to San Francisco to take on a 49ers team that is surprisingly two and two. And, you know, I listen, this is a team with some tricks up their sleeve as well. So it's going to be a tough one, especially, you know, having to travel out West, but we'll be back to preview that one later this week. In the meantime, a reminder, give us a follow at amplified to rock at Aaron the brain at same old dolphins and make sure you're visiting dolphins talk.com each and every day we will talk to you later this week to preview the Dolphins west coast trip against the San Francisco 49ers but in the meantime take care of yourselves and each other and we will talk to you again next time bye bye everybody go Dolphins